0: Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Dulor. Each week we discuss a certain metaphor, phrase or mantra and with the help of a special guest they tell us what it means to them and what it might mean to you too. In today's episode we're going to talk about a metaphor we have all used at some time or another and it is, it's the thought that counts. Whether it's a disappointing gift or a failed attempt to succeed, we've all heard or we've all said it. After that, we'll be catching up with our guest, Cecilia Fitz, to see how this turn of phrase fits into her life. When I think of it's the thought that counts, I think not only of receiving a small present, but I actually think of it more as showing consideration, thinking of someone and the efforts that they have made. So if someone gives me something based on something I've said, or maybe I've spent some time explaining something, or just being patient when listening, or something like that, that's when I think that it's the thought that counts is important. It's like showing consideration and showing gratitude. Do you know what I mean? It's like just being there to say the right thing instead of, saying what you think should be said or doing the right thing by someone and someone shows you their appreciation. Maybe by saying a few words, telling other people about the good that you've done or how patient you were with them. That's what I think. And it'll be interesting to hear what my guest thinks about it too. But let's go back to the proverb. Why would we say it? Where does it come from? In today's episode, we'll explore the meaning of it's the thought that counts, the sweetest way to accept failure. <music> Oddly enough, the expression, it's the thought that counts, Though it is now omnipresent in our everyday speech, it is not that old. It was first used in the late 18th or early 19th century by Henry van Dyke Jr., a professor at Princeton University and U.S. Ambassador to the Netherlands and Luxembourg. Originally, the saying expressed by van Dyck was, it's not the gift, but the thought that counts. But nowadays, we tend to say only the second part of the sentence.
1: Oh, what's that parcel you've
0: got in your hands there, Neil? Looks exciting.
1: It's a present! A
0: present for who? For you! For Christmas! Christmas? It's a bit early, isn't it? Well, I saw these and I just knew you'd love them so much, so I bought them. I can't wait till Christmas to see your face. Go on, open it now. Oh, you're too kind, Neil. OK. Pair of glasses? Harry Potter glasses? Aren't they brilliant? Go on, try them on. I look ridiculous and I don't even like Harry Potter. Oh well, it's the thought that counts. So, the metaphor was first designed to respectfully accept a gift, even if it was not exactly the one we wanted. But this leads to one question – is this true? Does the thought matter more than the gift? Luckily for us, scholars have studied this question and online searches have shown that expensive gifts are not automatically more appreciated by the recipients. In an online study, men have declared being keen to invest a lot of money on an engagement ring. However, the women in this study did not consider themselves any more appreciative irrespective of how costly the ring was. This shows that a gift, such as a ring, is not all about money. It is a matter of how much love it represents. A gift is the materialization of the love you feel for your close ones. It shows that you care about them, that you listen to them. That you remember the things that they're passionate about as well as the little things they care about. A gift catches intimate glimpses into our conversations. You'll probably keep this new computer for a few years, but you'll stay emotionally attached to the scarf your grandmother knitted for you forever. Obviously, it's the thought that counts is also a marker of appreciation. It is a sentence often addressed to somebody you don't want to offend or hurt. If your child, your parents or your partner didn't give you the gift that you wanted, it's not such big of a deal. Celebrating a birthday, Thanksgiving or even Christmas is about family and friends coming all together and having a good time, not about what is inside the package. Only if you're a child, I suppose.
1: <laughs> I don't want a lot for Christmas
0: example proves that this metaphor can only be applied to someone we care about. It puts the gift giver in a position above the present itself. Their attempt to please us matters more than the final result. Such as in the TV series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. When two characters celebrate Valentine's Day, Dennis has just been gifted a rocket launcher by his pal Mac, as you'll hear.
1: Where's the rocket? Yeah, that should be, uh, Shit, I, there's, no rocket. Rocket. there's no rocket. There's no rocket in There's no rocket? Ah, there's no rocket! They forgot to put the
0: rocket in there, dude, I'm so sorry!
1: I don't care. I love it.
0: You figured out the one thing I wanted more than anything else in the entire world and you got it for me, and... It's perfect. Now it's time to welcome Cecilia Fitz. Cecilia, we've known each other many years, and I can actually remember the first time that I saw you. Can you remember?
1: We met at A. A. Valmore.
0: Valmore, are you sure?
1: Yes, I think so. That was the first time. All right. I had seen you on television the night before, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, this really looks like a breath of fresh air. And next morning, I walked into A. Valmore, and there you were.
0: Now, I didn't think it was A. Valmore. I thought it was in town the mnc building the you know you had a, a shop there oh, blue coral right. yes and i was walking past and i and you called me oh, yes. that is that's true. the first
1: time that is true i think our second encounter was at eva yes oh, so yes true. yes so and you
0: oh, and you called me that's because i had heard about you as well because i was talking oh you know I'd like to, to see someone you know about my hair and there's nobody and they said hey, cecilia, Cecilia, and they kept saying "But because you were in town and it was difficult to park in town, I just never got around to doing it mm-hmm. so as soon as you 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 said hello to me, I knew who you were, and it was really nice and then we've been friends, not yes. just not just you know providing all these services for many many years and now you're taking on new ventures and uh I always say, you know, when you're with your stylist, you always talk about different things and you get to know them a bit better and they get to know you and so on. And we've spoken about so many things throughout the years. And I remember we had a conversation once about God and the spirit. And I've never really been a religious person, but I respected what you were saying. And it kind of, it kind of sunk in with me. So I think I've got more of a kind of spirituality now based on our conversations. So when I saw that you now do other things, you know, within your own self-coaching like and doing all this type of things, I thought to myself, actually, you're well-suited. I think it took you a, a while to get there because I think it's always been you from the time I've known you. You've always displayed that kind of personality. So after that very long introduction, I'd like you to tell our listeners a bit more about you and what you're up to right now.
1: I have been a hairdresser or cosmetologist for the last 36 years. And I think I discovered within me many years ago what my purpose was. My gift is to do hair. But I think my purpose is really to teach, to motivate and to inspire. And recognizing my purpose is really for me self-discovery so because i've discovered that about myself i think now is the opportune time for me to expand my horizons and to take this purpose out from behind the chair. I think being behind the chair, doing hair hey was really a vehicle for me to be able to explore what that purpose was. And as I think on a daily basis about you know what's happening in the world, I think there are many people walking through the earth not recognizing what their true purpose is. And so that creates a lot of unhappiness for many people because they're not happy with the job, they don't understand why they do what they do, they don't understand why they have to make the sacrifices for what they do on a daily basis. So I would say, when you understand your purpose and what you have been called to do, because I think every one of us in the youth have been called for a purpose our purpose is really the intention for which we are here and so i think when you understand your purpose life becomes more meaningful the sacrifices that you have to make to achieve your ultimate desires become more tolerable so i i am very happy to discover that so i have now moved into the area of training and development consultancy that way i can help people I can help organizations to conduct needs assessments, to be able to put different interventions um, for staff and for other people within the organization to really find their true calling, to really find their area of gifting and to understand the purpose for which the organization exists and to understand the purpose for why they do what they do on their job in order to bring satisfaction for both themselves and for their employers or customers.
0: We're now more or less approaching our second year of a COVID pandemic. What have you noticed in terms of the services that you're offering? Do you think that COVID-19 has impacted those services or the thoughts of people in any way?
1: Yes, I think COVID has created a very, very negative impact on you know, the services that I offer as a cosmetologist. I've been doing this for more than 36 years. So I have been through many of the economic downturns that existed pre-COVID. I think what COVID has really done, it has created a lot of fear and anxiety. I mean, even if I took the responsibility to be fully vaccinated, plus take my booster shots, I still understand that I have older clients who still have the fear of coming into personal contact with another individual in the field of cosmetology there's only so much social distancing that we can do and so i think that has created a negative impact i think also the fact that you have many people working from home many people don't see the need to keep the aesthetics of having you know a proper hairstyle every day so people stay at home and they do whatever you know, it's possible for them to do. I think economically, a lot of people have also lost their jobs. So coming to the salon for many people is no longer a priority. But I also think that COVID for me, this is my personal experience. I think COVID has allowed me to tap into my creative flair and to be able to find things. It has given me time to internalize. It has given me time to study. It has given me time to dig into me a lot deeper and to really understand, you know, who I am as a person, where I'm going, how am I impacting the lives of others. And so I think in as much as there is the economic downturn of COVID, I think if we look at the flip side, we will see that COVID has given many, many people the opportunity to start, you know, small cottage industries, online businesses, and it has really give, given many people, especially the families, the opportunity to rebond and get closer together.
0: Within your consultancies, is there a particular question or problem? that keeps reoccurring, whether it's a business that they say, oh, this is the situation that we need your help with, or an individual question. Is there anything that's kind of coming up now and again?
1: I think as I do my consultancies, one of the problems that I face, or many organizations face, is one of customer service. And I believe that problem exists simply because many companies are not customer-centric. They're not customer-focused. And sometimes even getting the right personalities for the right position on the job becomes a problem. So as I do needs assessments, I am finding that you have companies that have so many problems going on, customer issues, you know, customers are escalating their complaints because the complaints may not be able to be handled internally. It's simply because you have people who work on a job who don't understand their purpose. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And so for that reason, they're not focusing on the quality of customer service. I also believe that one of the problems that I see as I do my various needs assessments as well, is one of both customers and service providers not being empathetic enough towards each other's needs. And I think this is one of the social ills that we face in our society. It's one of those that result in a lot of the crime and violence that we see because people have lost the sense of, empathy and also many persons are not in touch with their own emotions so they're not aware of how they are feeling because you know as we have covid happening in the atmosphere and all of the uncertainties many people are operating from a place of fear and they are not aware that is the emotional fear that is driving the decisions that they make and these decisions reflect in behaviors i always say that bad attitude It's not a behavior. It's a choice. But you can only come to that realization when you are aware of which emotion you are acting from or you are feeling at the time that you are rendering services.
0: Our metaphor, it's the thought that counts. What does that mean to you?
1: It's the thought that counts. I think thought is everything. When I think about the word thought, I am totally aware that thought is the greatest source of energy ever given to man. And everything we do and everything we say must start with thoughts. I believe that the first process of communication should be thoughts. Before you speak, you gather your thoughts. And so when I think about the metaphor, it's like, if somebody gave me a gift, I don't care how insignificant it may seem to them the fact that they thought about giving me something for me means a million dollars because they have put thought into it. So, I believe this this metaphor it holds so many values to my heart because I'm a thinker. I'm constantly thinking. I'm thinking about me, I'm thinking about others, I'm thinking about how I can, you know, make my contribution to enhance the world and to enhance humanity. So I think thought is everything. I think it's the core of everything that we do and everything that we see.
0: I also know you're behind the wonderful way that your daughter, Sarah, has has grown. I knew Sarah before she could walk, before she could talk, and seeing her now and how she's developing, I think it's absolutely amazing. Has it been hard? Being a
1: mother, I can tell you, it calls for a lot of self-sacrifice. It also calls for for sharing and empathy. Because, you know, when you have a small child, especially for somebody like me, I became a mother at the age of 45. And I always say, God don't give all women children because at age 45, your patience level has already been depleted. But, you know, it calls again for a lot of thought. To think about, you know, the way you are going to raise that child. Because whatever I do in her environment or whatever I do to her would impact her for the rest of her life. And to impact her children and her children's children. So understanding, you know, what it is that I want to exhibit in her life the vision that I have for her as my daughter, I mean, she would have her own visions growing up, but how I would like to see her grow up, I put a lot of thought into it. And even on the days when it is hard, I have to speak to myself, I have to chastise myself and tell myself, remember Cecilia, you're not just raising her for yourself. My desire is to raise her to become a dynasty so that when I'm gone, at least she can exhibit some of the values that I have instilled in her.
0: Well, continue doing what you're doing. Thank you, Cecilia, for always being there. You've always been there for me whenever I, I needed to, to talk or to come around to see you. And I have followed you and Sarah every step of the way, and I wish you both the best. A big thanks to Cecilia for giving us her unique insight. I do love how the guests surprised me. I mean, who expected the phrase, it's the thought that counts, to be interpreted in this way? Let's get back to this proverb and see how it relates to modern life. It's the thought that counts isn't always linked to a gift. It's also used to compliment someone's attempt to succeed, even though it may be unsuccessful. Let's take a sprinting competition between two kids. One of them is a natural sprinter and has been playing football for a couple of years now. The second one is more of a homebird. He is more into playing with his toys rather than running around outside, but he is going to try to win anyway. However, if he loses, he will not be mocked. Even though this child had less of a chance to succeed, he still gets on the racetrack and tries to push his limits. We sometimes even admire this kind of bravado as it has inspired the plot of many films from the movie Rocky with Sylvester Stallone to Eddie the Eagle with Tyrone Egerton. We like these underdogs who try their best to defeat those who tell them they can't succeed because of their background or differences. In a world where people sometimes don't dare to speak up or to even try their chance because they are not born into the right family, country or social class, the metaphor, it's the thought that counts, can also resonate in each and every one of us. As the famous Hollywood actress Marilyn Monroe once said, just because you fail once doesn't mean you're going to fail at everything. Keep trying, hold on, and always, always, always believe in yourself. Because if you don't, then who will, sweetie? This kind of resilience is one of the keys to success and can still be found in famous actors today. Jim Carrey, for example, during his commencement speech at the 2014 mom graduation, he talked about the importance of trying to achieve his dreams. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. What we really want seems impossibly out of reach and ridiculous to expect, so we never dare to ask the universe for it. I'm saying I'm the proof that you can ask the universe for it. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him, and so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant, and when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job, and our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father. Not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want so you might as well take a chance on doing what you love this brings us back to the example of the kids race presented earlier it is important from a young age to teach children not to be afraid to try and not to be afraid to fail making mistakes is the way to learn the way to better oneself by identifying why we failed and how to do better the next time. The school system can also be either encouraging or demoralizing for students. In cultures and education systems where failure is more accepted, even sometimes encouraged, students often take more risks. When failing is seen as the courage to dare, but also a way to learn, the fear of losing and experimenting significantly decreases. For example, in 2018, PISA, the Programme for International Student Assessment, asked students from different nationalities to comment on the statement, When I am failing, I am afraid that I might not have enough talent. Only 35% of Dutch students agreed when 78% of Japanese students approved the statement. But how could the school system change our point of view about winning and failing? Well, it has been proven that while studying historical figures, talking about their qualities along with their flaws and failures boosts students' confidence. Goals seem way more achievable when you realise your idols aren't perfect either. For example, Samuel L. Jackson, the famous actor we all love today, developed a stutter during his childhood that still affects him. Oprah Winfrey was the daughter of a teenage low-income mother and became pregnant when she was 14. When wanting to publish his book, Kerry, Stephen King was rejected by 30 publishers. This book eventually became his big breakthrough. It's the thought that counts also embodies this boldness, the boldness to try and try again until you succeed. Talent is nothing without that thought in you that says, one day I'll make it because my voice matters too. In his speech given at the University of Houston, Matthew McConaughey encouraged every student to rise up after every failure, no matter how tough life seems to be. Life is not easy, it is not. Don't try to make it that way. Life's not fair, it never was, it isn't now and it won't ever be. Do not fall into the trap, the entitlement trap, of feeling like you're a victim. You are not. Get over it and get on with it. And yes, most things are more rewarding when you break a sweat to get them. This week's metaphor, it's the thought that counts, doesn't express disappointment. It rewards courage, the courage to try. Whether it is a gift or a career, we reward the attempt of a person to please us or we encourage them to move forward. Trying something different, going off the charts, can never be a bad thing. It doesn't matter if it doesn't have the expected impact, only the thought does. It's time for us to go, so I'd like to thank you for listening, and of course, I'd like to thank our guest, Cecilia Fitz. Make sure to join us again for more idioms, proverbs, and metaphors on Colourful Radio, or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which can be found on Apple, Spotify, and all major streaming platforms. Reviews are incredibly important to us, so if you have a moment, we would love it if you could leave us one on Colourful, or on any of the platforms I mentioned before. And join us on our Facebook and Instagram, which is at Metaphorically Speaking Delia. We love making this show and we love growing with your feedback. So, do leave us a comment or share the episode with your friends. I'm Delia Delore. This was Metaphorically Speaking. I'm wishing you a wonderful week. Bye for now.